and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and our verse for today will be verse 7, but I'll start from verse 1 just to put it together. And this is what it says. Verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Verse 5, circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And then verse 7, today's verse. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost. For Christ. Now the translation puts it this way. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Last week we finished looking at um, the seven items Paul thought would give him brownie points. Or what he thought were assets for himself toward God. So here we have an autobiography of an intensely religious man. And as I said, we finished looking at those seven points that he esteemed or he declared before God. If you stood before God looking at these seven points, he felt as though he had achieved. He was in the right standing, in the right place. Those seven points he thought, would commend him to God. He supposed he would gain God's favor by his religion. So he assumed everything was an asset to him. But actually, it was a liability before God. Now, at this point, I would like to ask us that we consider two main points from this story, from this text. From verse 1. Consider two points in Paul's attitude. So here he is declaring who he is, declaring what he has done, what he has achieved, his education, his, his dedication to religion. Consider the, that attitude that he had as we've read those, those uh, verse, verses. And the first point I'd like for you to consider and to think about, number one, is consider how he, Paul, was happy to lose these so-called advantages. It seems as though he was happy. He was a man who was proud of what he had achieved. 
He's standing in, in the community, um, but he seemed to be quite proud to give all of this up. See, Paul came to have an entirely different mentality. Verse 7 says, But whatever were gains to me, he says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that was gained to him in, his, in, the, in the world that he lived in, he considered all of that a loss for the sake of Christ. Paul knows that many people get excited. And today we, I, can, I can testify, I can say the same of us. Many of us get excited because of the things that um, we esteem ourselves to have or to be. The advantages that we have. Perhaps it's our education. Perhaps it's our religious outlook in life. Our practices. Those tick boxes that I've mentioned before. So you pray every day, you spend a couple of hours, your quiet time, and all, all those things which are good for you. But those things, can, you can almost stand before God in, in a proud way. Remember last week I, I, I confessed or I, I mentioned, I said, for years I had tithed, I had given to, to, um, to the church, and... Um, for years, not one, not two, for many years. And I said that um, until one day I couldn't. Uh, until one day I just couldn't. The budget just did not agree. And uh, because of what I had been taught, because of what I had been, uh, I felt guilty. And I just couldn't shake it off. Until I went to the Word of God and asked God, like, the, what, I, what I've been taught and what I'm seeing does not agree to the God that I, uh, I serve the God that I know, the, the God of the Bible. And so he set me free from that. Um, I mean, in Corinthians, it speaks about you're you are, you are to give, not out of compulsion, you're to give out of uh, a generous heart. He, he says, it says that you're to determine whatever you're going to give and then you bring it to give. So it doesn't put guilt on us. It sets us free from that. But the point here is that all of that, for those many years, there was a re religious attitude in me. I felt as though while I have tithed, I've given my, my 10% every month for many years, therefore I stand right before God. Surely he, he will not allow me to not have enough. And I remember as I was just praying and asking, help, help me Lord, show me. I felt him say to me, felt him as Zoe said to me, even in your giving, even in your good works, you have become proud. I stood proud. I have been given. I have been, I've been following the things that I need to be following. But my heart was in a different, my heart wasn't right because I was given out of a, a tick box, out of religion. Sort of given out of a place of where I know it pleases God. And that set me completely free. Today I give because I want to give. I give as God has, as I feel led to give. I give because I know it pleases God. Because there's that principle of sowing and reaping. 
So religion does that to us. So even for us as Christians, we've been walking with God for many years. I wonder where you're at. What are the religious practices that you have installed in your life that perhaps you can stand and have caused you to become somewhat proud before God? And remember what the Word of God says, that He does not like pride. So for many people, we think that religious credentials gain us a place in the kingdom of God. Our religious ways, our religious practices gain us a a place in the kingdom of God. But Paul came to realize that when um, those religious practices were actually hindering him from growing, from maturing, from being that which God had prepared him to be or wants him to be. He was not experiencing anything of eternal life at all while he was trusting in circumcision, trusting in his nationality, trusting in his tribe, trusting in his language, trusting in his denomination, his temperament or even his moral standing. He was a proud man. He could stand up and be morally right. See, there's a strong contrast between legalism and grace. There's a massive difference between what we do to gain God's favor and what Jesus did for us. And oftentimes in the Christian circles, we are almost, it's, it's, it's almost um, an attitude that we, we think we have to gain. We do things to gain God's approval. We do things to, to, to be um, accepted. We do things that we tick those boxes, and as we tick those boxes, we feel as though we are okay with God. But actually, the reality is we need to allow and, and um, rest on what Jesus Christ has done for us. That is the bottom line. We need to rest on what He has done for us. All these things are good. Giving is good. Loving each other is good. Encouraging one another is good. But primarily what is most important is relying on what Jesus Christ has done. Because all those things apart from Jesus do not count. God does not accept those things apart from Jesus. It's only through Jesus Christ that God accepts you and I. See, under grace, nothing depends um, upon human achievement and self-confidence. You know, surely... They say, surely living a good life, uh, a, a good religious, moral, upright life will bring us salvation. And of course we say no, it's not how it works. Paul had, had to give up trusting anything like that in order to gain Christ and his salvation. See, religion can give us a fake religious culture. I'll say that again. Religion can give us a fake uh, religious culture. And so I wonder, do you sometimes maybe take time aside and look at your Christian life? Look at your Christian life and ask yourself, this life that you live in, This life that God has so graciously blessed you and I with, has it become mundane? 
has become religious. Am I doing things because I have to? Am I doing things because it brings glory to the king? You know that you're, you're following him. Actually, he delights in it. And unfortunately, there is a, a di- this almost a, an unfair thinking, an unfair perception in depending upon religion or depending upon morality or char- uh, characters. Your very character. How does that stand before God this morning? See, these things can be artificial. Man-made righteousness, which is not acceptable to God. You see, Paul concluded that everything he thought was successful was in fact failure. Can you imagine that? So you have worked, you have done all that you can to stand right before God, and then you stand and realize, actually, all these things that I have done, and I consider as a success, are actually failure. How would you feel about that? So look at your life, the things you've done to commend yourself before God. The things that you've done to commend yourself before God. Then realize actually all those things are somewhat of a failure. See, the Greek indicates that this become, um, it became a settled conviction in Paul. So all those good things became a settled conviction, saying that all those things were actually a failure. It was a conviction that he changed. He lost all confidence in his attempt at gaining God's favor. Now remember, you and I, we have Jesus Christ who lives in us and helps us to live this life. So we, com- we are commended through Christ. So we, we are different. Paul, before all of this, was before Christ came. So he did all of those things, uh, re- following religion um, out of his own strength. And of course, Christ wasn't in him. And therefore, it counted for nothing. That's why it was a failure. It was much failure. Because Jesus was not in him. He wasn't saved. But for you and I today, we are commended because Jesus Christ is in us. So the talents and the gifts that he's given you, you don't, um, um, in your own strength, try and labor for those things. Actually, you labor. And as you do that, you're commended before God. And, and I was just thinking, and a um, question I, I, I had as I was preparing this morning, just thinking, and I'm going to ask it. By a show of hands, I'm not going to embarrass you, you don't have to, raise your hands, who here really, truly enjoys their lives? Who here, in all honesty, really and truly enjoys your life? Wow. Glad that uh, we are very honest. Because uh, if I was sitting uh, with you guys, my hand would also not go up. And there's a problem with that. I think there's a problem with that. 
the life that God has given you and I, how come we don't necessarily enjoy? How? Why? This guilt God has given you, and so you feel guilty if you're not enjoying the what He's given you. He's given you talents, He's given you assets, He's given you stuff, and you don't enjoy it. Why? Why is that? It's not meant to be like it. What, uh, one, um, Philippians 1 verse 11 that we read um, a year or so ago, it says that the things that God has given us, the talents, the gifts, He has given those things, why? For His good pleasure. His good pleasure. And if those things are given to us for His good pleasure, surely we also have to enjoy it. We've got to get some pleasure in the things that He's given us. So if He's given you a gift that you're using to glorify Him, He gets the pleasure. But then guess what? So do you because He's given it to you that you may enjoy it as well. So how come we don't enjoy our lives as we ought to? Yet God has given you. So you are a talented soccer player or rugby player or chess, whatever. You, but you don't necessarily enjoy it. But God has given you that gift. He's allowed you to have the talents. And I believe it's because we've been lied to. We almost have become a people who, if you, if you uh, enjoy those things and you do well, uh, you We've been taught not to actually celebrate those things. And I'm here to say, no, we must celebrate the things that God has given us. The, the talents and the gifts and whatever He has allowed you to, we must enjoy our lives. If, given, if God has given you much, you must enjoy your life. If God has given you this much, enjoy it still. Why? Because as you do those things, it brings glory to Him. And it gives Him pleasure. But the key here is, as you enjoy it, as you do those things, we need to remember to give Him the things. To give it back to Him. I enjoy the things He's given me. I enjoy the life He's given me. But as I do those things, I need to remember to be thankful to Him. Not to be thankful to myself. Amen? Not to be thankful towards me but thankful towards Him and give Him the glory. So whatever talents, whatever, whatever God has given you, whatever life that you have, allow Him, enjoy it, enjoy it and allow Him to receive the glory from you. Because as, he, as, he, as you do that, so He delights and has pleasure in you. And He loves to see that. He loves to see you enjoy. He loves to see His children enjoy Him. This life that he's given you. I mean, otherwise, why has he given us this life? Okay, I digress. <coughs> the word for, F-O-R, in that uh, passage of scripture, for Christ means because of. Because of. It was because of Christ that he, Paul, uh, lost his confidence in his self-confidence. It was because of Christ. The more he thought of the wonder of the person and work of Christ, the less he thought of his own accomplishment. As part of the key. The more you think of God and his goodness and his, his grace that he's lavished upon you, the less we think of ourselves. 
the less we think of our accomplishments, the, thing, the less we think of the things that we have, and the more we celebrate Him because of His goodness, because of His mercy, because of His forgiveness, because of who He is. Paul gave up trusting in his achievements in this short life because in itself it actually added no value. It actually added no value to his life. Those achievements were actually the reason there was a hindrance. It was hindering him from his uh, ability to mature, ability to enjoy the life that God had given him. At this point, can I perhaps ask you to think of those, maybe some things in your lives. We read the Word of God and we read Paul's life and, and all these things. But I, I, I can I ask us just maybe to think, what are some of those things in your life? What are those maybe achievements that perhaps are hindering your relationship? Perhaps hindering your growth? Perhaps hindering your Christian maturity because we are supposed to grow. We're supposed to go to uh, go from glory to glory. Of course, Jesus does it in us, but there's an element of where we can perhaps slow it down or hinder it because of our self-effort. Perhaps those things. You have put your trust in those things over Jesus himself this morning. So can you think, maybe for a couple of seconds, be honest with yourself. It is just you anyway, in your head. What are those things that perhaps are hindering your, uh, your relationship? You know that you are not where you ought to be but maybe you didn't realize it. So the first point in Paul's attitude was to consider that we are to consider how happy he was to lose the so-called advantages. Number two, his second point is consider what he gained by losing the so-called advantages. I've spoken about all those things that he achieved and he was happy to give them away, to lose them, as, as it were. Now let's look at the inverse and say, okay, well, what did he gain? He gave away, what did he gain? See, when Paul stopped trusting in any of these supposed advantages, he gained Christ. And that's a the, the, the greatest achievement, the greatest gain that one could ever gain in this life is when you gain Christ, your relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ became to him his savior. Christ became to him the forgiver of his sins. Christ became to him his friend. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? In fact, the very things that he lost, he got back in another way, through Christ. Christ became his circumcision. 
Christ cut away the wickedness of his heart and gave him a new nature. See, this man Paul, because of this, that he gained, gained this relationship with Christ, he experienced what Colossians 2 verse 11 says, or calls a circumcision made without hands. The circumcision of Christ. See, Christ, because we're in relationship with Him, because Paul gave up all these sins, He got more. He, 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 Christ gave Him a new nationality. He became a member of the kingdom of God. Christ was His denomination. I mean, how many? We have denominations. Which, de- which de- denomination do they belong to? The fact is, all denominations, Christian denominations, we are all under one umbrella, and that umbrella is the umbrella of Jesus Christ. We have become children of the King of Kings. What group of people did he belong to? Christ's people. Those who belong to Christ. Christ was his denomination. Not that denomination, not the other one, not Anglican, not Lutheran, not this and not that. Oh, Christ. Christ became his wisdom. And my dear friends, it's true of us who are saved in this room this morning. Christ has become your wisdom. Are you drawing from him? With the decision you have to make. The decisions you have to make in your life. Remember he's given you this life. He's, he's, he's uh, planned a path for you. He has gone ahead and prepared good works. He's, he's gone ahead and, 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 and paved the way. And so if that's the case. Are you drawing from his wisdom? Are you asking him to show you? Are you asking him. Father this right is this wrong. And are you allowing him to show you? Are you allowing him to speak to you? And when he says no, when you want to go right, he says no, don't go right. Are you okay to hear that? Or you just go ahead and go right? But thank God for his grace because he'll kind of usher you and help you to get to where he is prepared for you to go to. See, Christ became his wisdom. Christ became his righteous uh, status before God the Father. Christ became to him the giver of the Holy Spirit. How many of us know that we need the Holy Spirit? In fact, this life, in this um, dispensation, Jesus is not with us physically as he was in, in, when, 2,000 years ago. He said he has to go. But when he goes, he will give us someone else, a helper. And he needs to go so that we can receive him. Today we can commune with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. How many of us take advantage of that? How many of us know how to take advantage of that? We need the Holy Spirit. He's our guide. He's our friend. He shows us right and wrong. He gives us the way. The, the, the way that actually the... the, the, the the path that God has chosen for you and I, 
The only way to figure that out as humans is that we need the Holy Spirit who dwells, he lives in us to show us the, that way. Because in, our, in ourselves, we cannot. We, we are drawn to... Um, uh, we are drawn to make ourselves feel better. And the enemy uses that. But if you, we got the Holy Spirit who will show us, God has called you to go there. Therefore, don't go right. Rather go left and you'll end up there. In Christ, He came to be seated in the heavenly places. He stopped relying on earthy, fleshy advantages and He gained Christ. And so the reality for us is before we get to experience God's blessing, Christ has to totally turn us around and bring us to trust exclusively in himself. Exclusively. Not in your wisdom, not in your achievement, achievements, not in those things that you have done. No, Christ has to turn our thinking, our attitudes toward him. He's given you all those things, but we're not to, keep, not to put our, all our trust in those things. We have to actually rely on Him exclusively. See, Paul was living for religion before he met Christ. Until the day when Christ took hold of him and turned him around. And I suppose that can be said of us. We used to live our lives for whatever we, however we used to live our lives. Until the day that Christ took a hold of us. And oh, what a glorious day that was. What a glorious life that we, ha we now are a part of, we partake. But I still ask, why aren't we enjoying this glorious life that we ought to be enjoying? If it's Jesus Christ who has given it to us. Why? So becoming a Christian requires a complete change of outlook. Everything the world admires so much, we as Christians realize, gives us no advantage with God. The religious leaders, the Judaizers, the, the, that Christian community, that, that community in Paul's days, thought that the way to achieve something before God was to join the nation of Israel, get circumcised, Start keeping the many um, regulations of the Mosaic law. They could not have been more mistaken. Salvation, as you know, comes by trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus plus nothing else. Everything that we have in grace is because of Jesus Christ. Paul changed his life. He changed his life ambition from being one of the most religious men on earth to become a man who loved the Lord Jesus with 
awe of his heart. So the day that God captured your heart, he changed you, he transformed you. I'm sure it was a, 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 a glorious moment. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ more today than you did then? I'll conclude with one or two questions, but with one statement. See, this Christian life, Christianity, is a person-centered. Christianity is a, per- is a person-centered, not a system-centered. Christianity is a person-centered, and we know who this person is, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Not the systems of the world, not the systems of religion, not the systems of the church. It's centered around Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. See, it is because of Christ we can live in the grace of God. So I ask this question this morning to you and I. Are you centered in Christ? And do you make much of Him? Do you love Him more today than you did the day that He got a hold of your heart? Sometimes I will confess and say, I think I loved Him more that day. As life has happened and all sorts of stuff is thrown at me, I maybe have lost that, that, um, that um, flame. And that's why we need to allow ourselves, allow the Holy Spirit to help us to gain that flame again if it's, it's become dim in some ways. Because of life's happening. Life and all its challenges. But remember, with all those challenges, God still carries you and I. He still holds you. He is actually determined to get to the point where He has determined for you at the end of the day. So let's do ourselves a favor and just actually make our lives easier by just adhering and following Him. And enjoy it. Let's enjoy our lives under God's grace. Secondly, Does he, Jesus Christ, diminish all the other pursuits of our lives? Because he's the only one who can recommend us to God. He's the only one who can stand before And takes us to have a relationship with God the Father, your creator. Can I ask us to close our eyes please, if you're happy to do that.
I'm going to ask us again. Why are we not enjoying the life that Jesus Christ has paid for us? The life that He's given us. Why are we not enjoying it to the full? Father, help us to enjoy this life that you have so graciously given to us. Thank you, Lord, for every relationship. Thank you, Lord, for everything that has happened, God, in our lives. The good and the bad. Even though we don't celebrate the bad, Father, we celebrate the good. But, Lord, we recognize that the bad all has a plan. There's a plan and there's a purpose. For you work all the good, all the things for our purpose. For our, for the plans that you have for us, God. I pray, God, that you would release us from a, a place of guilt. Where the enemy has brought guilt upon us, Lord. Maybe release us, I pray in Jesus' name. And help us, Father, to celebrate this life that you've given us. And not compare ourselves to others. Celebrate and do the best we can with what we have. Why? For your glory. Because as we do that, so you, my King, receive, receive honor. And actually, not, not only honor God, you take pleasure in seeing us enjoying our lives so we bless your holy name this morning help us in jesus name i pray amen